Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are finishing up. Well, we're not finishing anything. In reality, what we're doing is we're taking our previous episode, The Monster Mash with Liches, and we're doing a spooky double feature. So in honor of the spookiest time of the year, we're going to be doing our annual spooky jam. But we're going to be taking the monsters that we created from the Monster Mash and inserting them into our jam sessions here. So if you haven't listened to that previous episode, I would probably recommend going back and listening to that first, just because it might be a little confusing otherwise. And before we get into this second part of the double creeper feature, I guess, uh, I would also urge you, if you want us to build your world, to go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. We're also on social media at... YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel where you can go ahead and click buttons that will subscribe and like, and there's a bell for some reason. I don't know. You can go do that if you want to support us, or if you just want an alternative path to listen to our podcast. Hell, you might be listening to it on YouTube right now. We're also on Twitter, uh, at least until they start charging for it, which is seemingly inevitable and incredibly stupid. So if you want to follow us on there while you still can, we're at Let's World Build. Uh, if you'd rather follow us more directly or chat with us more directly, you can go to our Discord where you can hang out, talk about world building stuff, all of that fun stuff. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon where you get access to patron-only goodies like episodes that are just for patrons called the Aphid Lounge and snippets that get left on the cutting room floor called Too Hot for Broadcast. There's also additional benefits like a patron-only Discord and, I don't know, other fun stuff, early episodes. We talk to you guys more directly. Go and do that if you want. Or if you just want to give us money as like a thank you for all the service and all the podcasts that you've listened to, you can do that as well. With all that out of the way, let's get back into our double feature. So last time we had three liches. Oh boy, I love li Okay, last episode, more than anything else really highlighted how fucking cool and fun liches truly are. Like I thought that every concept that we had sang and was awesome and was evocative. And I'm like, Oh, this is the power of the lich, right? Because as we kind of talked about the power of the lich is really just, it's human ambition, right? For, for the most part, that's kind of like what drives the lich a lot of the time, but the way that you can play with that and like really slot it into any setting or anything I thought it was just really, really brilliant and really fun. So I'm really excited to see what we get into here. <sighs> All right. Again, this is not our usual jam. We've got spooky options instead. So first, of course, it's going to be a horror setting. So we can skip that. Instead, we're going to go straight to the subgenre. And our subgenre that we're dealing with is going to be... We've got a psychological thriller on our hands, which is going to be very interesting considering the framework that we've got. And the thing that we're focusing on in this psychological thriller is going to be a friend group. And the theme that we're dealing with is something forbidden. So we've got a psychological thriller 
with a friend group and something forbidden. Now, what we're going to do is figure out which of the three liches we want to slot in here from previous episode and then go from there. So, Courtney and or Daniel, do we have any idea which lich we want to start out with this time? Um, for this one, I'm thinking about the steampunkish one that we did, the third one that we did last time, which was um, we had this sort of framing device that we settled on where it was mm -hmm. kind of happening over time. Yeah. Oh, that was the one with like the rage spirit, right? That would like possess incomplete automata mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? And it had originally been like captured by someone in yeah. sort of ancient times. And we were dabbling in the idea of like a, a Jewish mystic who had created a golem mm -hmm. initially to, to capture this thing in and like use mm -hmm. for their own purposes. And so over time, this spirit inhabits different things and is sort of used or taken advantage of by its controllers. But basically my idea for this is like thinking about a a friend group and having some sort of like a modern uh, telling perhaps like the last story in this anthology of like a, a group of teenagers stumbles on this thing. And I don't know if they're the framing device, like it's speaking to them, telling their stories or if mm. they're trying to use it for something or trying to free it or mm. any number of things. But I could see it being like a more not like lighthearted horror, but like just less deeply depressing than other avenues mm. that we could go. So that's a great point. I like the kind of concept that we've got going on here. I'm thinking like a big mansion or a big house mm -hmm. and they're there to like talk to this kind of rage spirit or like maybe it's a seance. It starts out as a seance, uh, you know, yeah. and they're being possessed and they're talking to this spirit as they're possessed each individually, right? Mm -hmm. And then let's say that something happens where, because we need the horror aspect, right? Like this, the, the possession is one thing and that's kind of like fun and spooky, right? But why can't we just add in like a little home invasion thing where let's say that the house is now besieged by some kind of external threat. And then what happens is the, the twist in the story itself is that these robbers have their tables turned by this rage spirit, right? By this thing that suddenly inhabits an automata and is just like totally tearing them apart in some way. I think that might be a fun way that we can kind of introduce it as well. Alternatively, if you want to have it so the friend group is the one doing the invading on this kind of unseeming thing, that's cool. What do you all think about that idea? Is this a, this a psychological horror? A psychological thriller, I think thriller? Okay. The exact phrasing. One here. one thing that appeals to me, I do like the idea of an external invasion. Um, one thing that appeals to me though is if the um people doing the robbing are actually part of this friend group. So mm -hmm. for example, you have people doing a seance, whatever they're maybe they're kids or they're teenagers, or whatever, maybe they're in this house doing this, and for whatever reason, there's someone in the group that's also working against the group so like you know you have a teenager or someone actually trying to rob the house or trying mm -hmm. to get something you know there's always some some bad apple yeah. right yeah. but he has yeah. to keep it secret so it's kind of like they're trying to do this under the guise of this event also happening that way, oh, that way sure. the tension ends up being internal to the group right and mm -hmm. however the lich is interfacing with this um it could turn the tables but also then like their whole friend group is compromised on top of right. that friend betraying them or whoever is doing this. First of all, Daniel, 
That's a great idea. I love, I absolutely love that concept. So kudos for sure. I have, I have an idea that I think works pretty well. It's based on the movie you're next. So spoilers for that movie, but effectively it's a, a family gathering together and having a party and then killers show up and start killing everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Very simply. And then you find out like a little more than halfway through that some of the family was in on it for an inheritance. Right. Um. And yeah. So, so it's like they hired these people like, Oh, we're going to do this. And then a lot of their family gets murdered. I feel like, Without the murder, I feel like that might be a good way to do it. Like there's an inheritance or there's like a secret treasure or something like that that's involved within this whole thing. Although I think an inheritance could also work if we're doing it that way. But I I agree with you, Daniel. I think having that internal betrayal is a really great element to have. I wonder um, if this is a rich family and one of the friends, you know, resents the the main one who's hosting this because they're rich and there's some um, there's like some object that's extremely valuable that they know they have maybe maybe it's an heirloom or something that's related to the spirit and so they're planning on stealing it during this thing and things get out of hand someone actually gets mm-hmm. killed maybe 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 when they're going to steal it one of the friends bumps into them and the friend ends up strangling or killing them accidentally mm-hmm. when he tries to stop them from telling everyone else and mm-hmm. that's when the spirit gets revealed or involved like he's got the oh okay okay sorry i'll let you guys ship it back no no no. (laughs) i'm also like okay i've got a good idea for this so like and i'll I'll put it down after this but the the kid is stealing the heirloom secretly one of the other kids walks in right the kid has his hands on the heirloom and because he's like oh no don't tell anyone he's like feels bad because i want them to go and reveal that he's stealing it but that's when the spirit like inhabits him and he ragefully murders the friend uh or yeah is it like rage at like being captured there for so long and whatever like tiny useless artifact this is Mm -hmm. yeah inside that object yeah and so it takes over the kid and and he violently murders the other kid doesn't realize what he just did that's great i also love the idea that we're dealing with an unreliable narrator because if we're staying with that principal pov and then he like he truly has no idea that he's murdered this person right so, so the idea that like, it's hidden even to them, like, oh, I was temporarily possessed, right? Like, that's a really cool thing. But Daniel, you triggered something within me when you're talking and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. We should probably take a look at it at the very least. Um, the person who's resentful towards the rich family, I'm thinking that in some cases they see themselves as a liberator to this spirit. I imagine that the rich family has come into the possession of the thing that keeps this rage spirit bound to the mortal realm. So they found it's, it's true phylactery in some ways and they keep it there. They're like, Oh, we'll make sure that, you know, this spirit sticks around, which is why like Courtney suggested, this is the last one. It's because this mm-hmm. is the one where the spirit is finally freed, right? This is the, this is the episode, the movie where, okay, this rage spirit has been raging for so long and it's resentful and it's angry and we finally understand that, oh, it's because this this family has kept it bound here. And the resentful one who's coming into this rich family is the one who's like, I'm finally going to free them. I'm finally going to get them away from this thing. Yeah, except it, I, I picture it like backfiring and it possesses mm-hmm. that person. And then like the last shot is that person now possessed by this thing, like walking out into the world to like do whatever it wants to do out there. Cause it's no longer mm. bound. 
Oh, are we saying the um the family's the one who had knowledge of this, right? Not the thief. Correct. Okay. Well, both, but the the family didn't know that the thief had knowledge of this. It could have been like the friends like brags to some other friends at school or something, and like the thief realizes like, oh, he's talking about some you know mm-hmm. mythical story that I've heard about. That's really weird. Like, there's got to be more to this, and gets interested in it, and maybe doesn't fully realize. Like, oh, there is literally a, a rage spirit in there, but knows that, like, there's something up. Gotcha. I, I, I don't mind. I think it makes sense maybe that they had heard about it. Maybe they looked it up, but they don't. I, the only resistance I have to it is the thief having, like, this awareness of what the real situation is. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's a sense of horror when you don't really know what's happening to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it maybe maybe like, the kid, the rich kid, like, bragged about being related in some way to this lineage right and yeah the, uh, the poor kid's like oh, you're full of shit i'm gonna steal this thing as a prank maybe yeah and so, yeah, maybe they're close friends but he also still resents him for being rich and he doesn't believe the sure. story but then it comes he comes to understand once things start happening that i think would make it a little bit more scary for the person who's mm-hmm. trying to steal it and the fact yeah don't I do like that. Like they yeah. they heard about this mythical tale, but they're very skeptical of it. It's like, oh, that's that's mm-hmm. bullshit. Like I'm gonna take this thing and like prove it to you that it's nothing, and also you know make money off of it or something. And then then he starts right. to feel like something inside of him that mm-hmm. shouldn't shouldn't be there. It could very well just be like, oh, it's held within a very pricey item. You know, mm-hmm. like something as yeah. simple as that. However, there's one thing that I think that we need to be careful of here in that. The rage spirit is possessing people, which in the previous episode, we didn't really establish. We had established that it it mm-hmm. possessed like automata or like golems in some way. It's a ritual to put it in something. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So here's what I'm thinking. Okay. I want to keep the murder. I want to keep the rage murder. Right. However, what is the difference between a body and an automata? It's just a meat golem. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, why can't the rage golem inhabit that strangled body, that dead body that was killed in a fit of rage? Maybe, maybe the spirit isn't the reason for its death, but that would explain. Know, yeah, that would explain why it's able to inhabit that spirit and why it's able to then walk around after it's been freed. Kind of what Courtney was saying, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm picturing now a scene where, like, the the thief goes into this maybe secret room or like library kind of room and sees this thing and goes for it. And the rich friend pops in and is like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. Uh-huh. Put that yeah. down. I mean, yeah. They get into a fight. The the thief basically accidentally whacks the rich kid in the head with this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. how the spirit is infused into the rich kid's body, which obviously freaks the fuck out of the thief. Yeah. Okay. Wait, hold on. So let's say that he just leaves the dead friend there. But then later, like, you know, they've gathered back into a party or something like that. And then the rich friend shows back up. And that's even freakier now because, yeah. like, wait, did I actually kill him? Like, why is he acting so different? And it's like, I feel like that's an element of, like, the thriller part of it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really fun element that we can toss in. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then um, I could also see, like, at the end, the thief basically becoming this thing's, like, thrall because it it's connected in some way or the the rage spirit is like you need to serve me or else i'm gonna murder you Mm -hmm. or like that sort of thing like as a reversal of what's happened to the spirit Mm -hmm. all along instead of the spirit being enslaved to somebody he Uh, chooses or it chooses to enslave somebody else 
I mean, the one thing we're, I think we're losing, I mean, that all makes sense, but the one thing we're losing sight of, though, is the technological aspect, right? Because in the original one, uh, there was yeah. a ritual of binding to machinery, right? That this thing was sure. in this kind mm-hmm. of machine body. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if this is going to be a more modern, like, kind of kids summer th- horror movie, right? <laughs> if mm-hmm. the technology, you can take what we just established, but the binding has to do with some technology on the person, like... Oh yeah, body is killed, uh, and it's like because yeah. they have a Fitbit on, or because so that way they towards oh. the end of it, there's ways to fight it by like getting that technology mm. off of them, you know. But then it's I like see. what other tech yeah. in the area? Rather, it's kind of like there was a movie um a long time ago that had that was like a demon possession movie, like any other, and I forget who was in it. That was like a major actor. Um, it just doesn't help, but basically when they, when people would die, the demon would inhabit the next body physically in the area. So I can see this working with technology instead of the box. Denzel Washington. Yeah, I think that's Goodman. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know the yeah, movie yeah, that you're yeah, talking yeah. about. I can't remember what it's called. but <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Daniel, love that idea. Okay, Lo- love the concept there. But yeah. we're in a steampunk world. Why can't we have them be like, ro- not robots, but like cyborgs or like they have like, Large swaths steampunk? of them. Yeah, the original, the original, the original. Yeah, the original one was steampunk. So but this I, one sounds like it's a modern day setting, right? Right, but where if it's rooted in steampunk, then mm-hmm. steampunk but modernized, I would imagine, is more like there's probably more body modification. You know what I mean? Well, it'd be like or, iPhones and Fitbits, wouldn't it? Or or completely synthetic organs, muscles, and stuff like that. Yeah, or, I can see that as well. Yeah, I was thinking like even if we don't have it be steampunk, but just a modern setting with technology available, like maybe the the rich kid has an implant of some sort, like a, was it cochlear implant? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. um, oh, that's or like good. something that's, yeah, very much like embedded in him. Yeah, like means, an innocuous kind of tech. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like the cochlear implant, like that is embedded in your, your, skull. your skull. So like yeah. that mm-hmm. would be a direct line for the sure. spirit to get into this body's brain basically that's yeah that's really good the the only other alternative that i can see if it's like something like a pacemaker yeah Mm -hmm. you set that up early in the movie right like oh i had this you know like i had a congenital heart defect i had this pacemaker or yeah no i had this cochlear implant like you know you have one of those two things that Mm -hmm. works yeah that that is actually a really great way of looking at it so yeah 100 i'm down cool um all right Guys, we've gone ham on this one. I'm I'm very excited, but we've got a twist. We've still got to roll the twist for this one, and we've got a special spooky twist list. So this time, our twist is going to be... Ooh, roll a non-horror genre. Um, I mean, sure. Do, do, uh, I feel like we've already done that, don't you think? Kind of, but I'm curious what it's going to come up with. Yeah, let's let's see what it forces us to do, I suppose, huh? Okay, so let's see what we got. Our non-horror genre is... Weird fantasy. Hmm. First of all, what the hell is weird fantasy? Do they mean, like, weird fiction in general? Yeah, so, like, boss log type of fantasy. Okay, so, like, new weird is what that really is. Thank you, right. yes, yeah. I'm <laughs> just checking, because I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> the new yeah. weird, ugh, um, Well, so, new weird really is um, taking old Cthulhu stuff and then reinventing it for the contemporary taste. So, maybe then part of that is adding a layer of the background to the horror of it. So, for example, we know that 
in the mechanically the cochlear implant is part of the possession like you have the physical embedded thing it's technological Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but um maybe we add a dimension of horror to the family so that the kid isn't necessarily aware of or maybe they are aware of i don't know maybe the kid is Uh, truly benevolent um and that is that the family was into like weird like surgical biological experimentation or maybe they developed the implant um, and their family goes back hundreds of years to back to a, a steampunk period when they've, you know, did stuff with that spirit and it's, it's deep in the family. So mm-hmm. kind of like, um, what's the, the movie, the first, not note, but the one before that, that was horror. um, uh, get out, like get out. It's kind of, it's been in the family so long, that kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. You right. could add that level of creepy Lovecrafty and horror to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, like I, I really love that. Yeah. You've got a family full of cultists and they've been like whip stitching their bodies together. So they're pra- like, it calls into question. What is a machine? What is human? Like you get all that fun stuff mm-hmm. in there too. Mm-hmm. You know, what passes for humanity. And then because the family is so monstrous when compared to this rage spirit, like, yeah, you get to investigate that question even further. Yeah. I like that. It could also be like a reveal during the, whatever like movie or book that this is or like partway through you realize that all of the stories that this rich kid is telling are from his family's past it's not Mm -hmm. just like you know random people stumbling upon this uh artifact or spirit it's like people in his family purposefully seeking it out to do horrible experiments with Mm. or or secretly giving it to people you know like Uh, oh let's let's give it to this poor urchin see what they do with it you know like like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah, that's yeah. fun. And you can have a lot of commentary about um, the cultural commentary if you wanted to. Like, if, if the movie mm-hmm. was smart enough, if it's a it's a schlocky movie, then we just want some mm-hmm. brain surgeries. But if it, <laughs> if it's going to be like smarter, you know, you could have economic discussions. You could have race discussions. Really, depending on what you want to do with that evil family. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, that's a great place to start. God damn it. I love liches so much. This is so fun. Okay. We're doing well. Let's roll into the second jam, shall we? Cause we, Oh, it's just getting so excited over here. Okay. So our jam subgenre that we've got going on this time is going to be. All right. We've got a haunted house. Very interesting. And the thing that we're focusing on this time is going to be a place uh, appropriate for a haunted yeah, house genre. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the theme that we've got going on is going to be growth and expansion. Okay. Normally I would let you guys go, but I, I, I have a very strong vision of what this looks like, right? Because we've got a haunted house. Uh, we've got a place. Okay, sure, whatever. And then the theme is what really kind of broke my brain a little bit because we've got growth and expansion, right? If that is in fact the theme, I imagine that you can really bring in our portal ripping space tearing Mm -hmm. from the last time. And now that growth and expansion is literally dimensional. It is literally the house is expanding into other dimensions. It's expanding into other universes or whatever we decided on last time. And then, yeah, we focus on the house itself. Yeah, I was also thinking the space opera one from last time. And I feel like we could also change it from like haunted house to sort of view house in a different way. Maybe it's like a a ship. 
a like derelict a ship. ship. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then you have like people maybe stumbling upon it, not realizing what's in it, what powerful mm -hmm. entity is in it that can like literally rip open space. Are we almost doing an event horizon here? I feel like we're almost doing an event yeah. horizon a little bit. You know? And I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. What was the basis of this, this, this one? I forget this creature. Great. <laughs> great question, Daniel. So last time we had a lich in the space opera setting and he was, he was able to tear portals that led into black holes or eventually turned into black holes uh, because he was trying to make it back to his lost love via a radio frequency. Right. And slash, I think that we also call that his phylactery, right? I think like the love ended up being his phylactery. The phylactery and, yes, and exactly. that person yeah. was like trapped in a black hole. Like they had passed right, over right. the event horizon and were. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so they were experiencing time very differently. It was collapsing worlds, Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. In order to make, a portal to that place so. yeah exactly but what happened what was the qualities of the lich though uh in my brain it was just like uh like a space traveler who was able to tear open space holes basically and then that was pretty much it did they have any other qualities other than that they, that was their intent was to open collapse black hole i don't remember if they had powers or what they were like um I think we had set it up so they were explorers and they had gotten like, yeah. they had like either lost their ability to FTL or like something happened where they, they had to take a really long time to travel like regularly, but because they're a lich, it didn't really matter. The time was fine. Yeah. It was something about um, he and his love interest had been researching something mm -hmm. and um, something happened that ended up pushing his love interest into the black hole itself. So they were trapped there. I, I forget how we justified it, but basically they were linked in some way where his love interest was now his phylactery and was never going to go away because it was in the black hole. So therefore he was oh, living forever. Okay. Right. Um, and then he was just so desperate and sort of lost track of the damage that he was doing over time that he started mm. to rip open, like sacrifice worlds in order to create mm. other black holes or wormholes to try to like lead him into... Right where he wanted to go so his immortality is a result of being linked to her beyond the event horizon yeah Correct. yeah, That's yeah. Okay. i think another thing that we talked about as well was his traveling towards his lost love was also his attempt at seeking death as well right. it wasn't yeah. just about yeah okay i'm, I'm glad that you remember because he's too. immortal because of her yeah right yeah exactly and right. yeah he's been alive for who knows how long at this point and just mm -hmm wants right. to die but can't until he gets to this person so his abilities are kind of an open book we just know mm -hmm. that absolutely his, the source of it is because whatever happens in this realm beyond the event horizon mm -hmm. kind of like the movie the event horizon <laughs> <laughs> and, and what we do know is he can open portals that eventually collapse mm -hmm. into black holes so yes right um also i i didn't think about this before but when you're asking like what his like appearance might look like or what his like powers might be i'm also thinking that he could just have a slowly increasingly large black hole in him as a feature you know like something so like you're watching like his chest kind of collapse into this inky black void or something like that or like warp and twist around like a like it, it could be like as tiny as a grain of sand 
But just because like that's the thing that is like his black void of a heart. You just, could just the possibility it. here. I mean, you could treat that like um uh like a naked singularity concept, um, mm-hmm. which is like a black hole without an event horizon and and mm-hmm. such a thing oh, would cool. be incomprehensible to us in terms of physics because of the mm-hmm. if you approach that the laws break the the whole idea of like the black hole is the the rules change past the event horizon. We don't really understand it. So if you don't have that event horizon, then you can see into that. So imagine mm-hmm. then if he's like a functions like a naked singularity, not in a literal sense where he would spaghettify everything around him. But <laughs> if if the, the laws of physics break down around him, like then you'd have some freakish stuff you could accomplish, kind of like in Red Horizon. You know? yeah. Ooh, yeah. I think we had even like brought that. something up like that where the world warps around him as he around travels. Him. Like so, so this actually works out again. Like, great job thinking the same concept, but over and better this time. So yeah, uh-huh. that's really cool. Also, why can't he spaghettify people? I can't. I, I mean, can I'm imagine... sure he could. He could use that as a power. You know, because yeah. right. Yeah. No, yeah. like imagine a horrifying death scene. Oh, he envelops you. them. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, holy Ew. shit, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like you were saying, like his body opens up and he just like swallows them or something. Right. Or even like imagine that someone like throws a punch, but then you watch their hand literally uh, get like yeah. spaghettified. And then yeah. maybe, maybe like, oh, they grab him and tear him away, but you just see this ragged arm that's left behind, like, or a stump or whatever. Like, that's pure horror and that's exactly what we're looking for here like come on yeah i'm like picturing a fairly like normal looking guy um and they don't realize that he has that horrible ability until one of them actually goes to like incapacitate him maybe they they find him on this ship and he's like acting very strangely and so they want to subdue him okay so they like reach for him or something and like their their fist goes into his chest and when they pull it out it's like all like broken apart into these strings mm-hmm. of of matter okay okay yes uh <laughs> he's he's going to position himself as the lone survivor of yep. the ship and yep. so when they find him they're like of course he's acting weird everyone in the ship just died of course oh yeah we've got to be like pitying him just a little bit until something like you just described happened where it's mm-hmm. like oh no this is really bad, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe the house in the question is like a, a space station that was established to observe a nearby black hole. And that's why he's there Ooh, um, yeah. is to get access to it. Or maybe he made it or something and is, is sort of checking back in on it. Or potentially maybe they accidentally thought he was the black hole, you know, uh, something like that. Oh, like they detected some sort of anomaly and they're like oh yeah. that's a black hole let's go observe it and it's him it's just literally just him floating no. in space <laughs> raises questions about his um methods right so mm-hmm. we know he's trying to I, I guess find large mass objects to convert into black holes that seems mm-hmm. like his overall plan um uh, and i wonder we have the answer couple questions just like from a science fiction point of view like um does there need to be something special about these objects because there's plenty of large mass objects throughout the universe that you want to deal with people to collapse them. So is there some kind of spiritual connection to these objects? Like, so like he, for example, if he, if, if he could just take any sun and collapse it into a black hole and he has the ability to do that, he could do it in like 10 minutes, right? There's plenty of suns mm-hmm. in the universe. Yes. So is there, there must be a reason why he has to seek out certain things. I don't know yeah. if it's connected to the, the places he's been in the past, connected to his wife. I don't know. 
Yeah, Daniel, last time glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, last time we had talked about like I think I had this idea that initially his phylacteries were spread across the universe as places mm-hmm. that he and his loved one had gone to. Yes. That's like they had this psychic connection to. Um so that could definitely work here except yeah. because of, you know, his lack of FTL or whatever, he now has to very slowly make his way to all these things mm-hmm. or all these places. Maybe it's like worlds they visited or worlds they happen to leave stuff behind on or something. And that those are the things that he's destroying. So like psychical anchors, places he's yeah. that yeah. They, maybe where they did their research and it's an emotional sort of thing. It's like yeah. a rational exactly. sort of yeah. thing. That would make sense because then it's more like it's in some way we know that the realm beyond the black hole is this it's a uh, non-material sort of thing. So that I guess like the locations he's been in with her bleed the psychical resonance, mm-hmm. and that's what works yeah. for him. I, I would interrogate the um FTL thing because yeah, it yeah. seems like there's no need for him to not like he's he has to be mm-hmm. in a spaceship anyway to travel. So I don't I don't know why they wouldn't have faster than light travel, otherwise he wouldn't be able to get anywhere and like in a, in a length of time that would matter to other characters. So I don't think that, that should be a thing we should worry about. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it could be that, like, that's the reason why he is trying to get access to this cruise spaceship, is he needs mm-hmm. that as the way to travel, to, like, actually make progress on his journey. Like, he mm-hmm. somehow got stranded or something at some point, and that's when he came across the station or this other ship and slaughtered the crew and uh, was sort of waiting for somebody else to come so that he can take their ship and continue on. Perfect. Well, that, that's actually exactly what I was thinking about as well, is that it's not that he doesn't have access to FTL. It's just that because the world around him is so unstable that like any ship that he's in, even if it is FTL, it's going to break apart eventually just because of his presence. Oh, it fucks up his end. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So imagine that like he's traveling at FTL with the understanding that the ship he's part of is going to break mm-hmm. apart. Right. And so but after the ship breaks apart, he's traveling at FTL, but with his physical body, right, like his body is being hurled through space. And so, of course, you're going to get fucked up and like all distorted and stuff like that. But also, like eventually or let's say that, it, you know, he escapes the ship at like slower than FTL. I'm imagining that a ship is going to be like, oh, what is that? And they find a body. Oh, shit. That's not good. So he leaves a, a path of derelict ships, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in his wake, and also, can we just point out that his mission is to destroy his own phylacteries? Like they're psychic mm-hmm. phylacteries, but that's what he's trying to do so he can finally embrace death in full. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. I think. And to be with his loved one too. It kind yeah, of reminds right. me of um the feeling at the end of uh what was the it was uh, Robert Pattinson the Twilight guy um. Yeah, it has to do with giving himself to a black hole in the end, and it was on a spaceship. Oh, I've wanted to see that one. Is it, um, I forget what it's called. Yeah. High Life? Yeah, High Life. High Life, that's it, yeah. Yeah, I've wanted to see that one. Very similar vibes. Yeah, cool. All right, we need to roll the twist here. Mm -hmm. We just got to figure it out. Um, So our twist this time is... Oh, Lord. And I mean that literally because the cause of all of this horror is the will of God. Hmm. Yep. Um. That is directly ripped off from a, a specific movie. 
that I will not say just to save people spoilers because that movie is very good and you should watch mm-hmm. that movie. But yeah, let, <sighs> let's reconcile this twist because, man, that's an interesting one to pull for this particular uh, scenario. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yep. <laughs> you can deconstruct the phrase, right? So God, what is God? God is a irrational doesn't follow the rules, material rules. Um, it's about faith and belief. So it doesn't have to be literally God in this case. Yeah. I mean, technically true, but in the reference that I'm going to, it is the Christian God that does this. But I'm yeah. fine with not having that be the actual thing. That's totally okay. Could you reread the exact phrasing of the twist? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The cause of all this horror is the will of God. Um... What if his loved one became godlike when they went through the event horizon and they're kind of causing this connection, but they don't realize the implications that it has for everyone else? Oh, okay. So, so what I'm hearing you suggest here is that like in this process, right in this process of kind of hitting the event horizon or going beyond the event horizon they have ascended into some kind of deification or godhood. Is that right? Yeah, like something about going past it and then seeing basically the entire span of the universe in front of them as they Mm. descend into the black hole and like um, something there has given them the power to create this connection in the first place. It was like a conscious decision as they were falling. They didn't want to lose their loved one so oh. they caused it in the first place. They might not even realize how much time is passing because time is no longer really the same for them at all. Right. But like they, in their mind, whatever's left of it, like all of these things are happening at once and they just reached out, made that psychic connection and like maybe are seeing flashes of things that are happening but aren't understanding like the time scale for like people. Right. So the So the loved ones kind of like, fall into this thing has caused the lichdom is what you're suggesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that, that totally works. Like we kind of give an origin point because we just make this kind of nebulous assumption that something happened, but this like the will of the loved one, like the God in this case, turning them into a lich is actually really interesting because what that adds thematically to this whole ordeal is as the lich destroys the phylactery, it is also a process of letting go of of the loved one in some way right it's it becomes thematically appropriate and even more tragic for the lich figure themselves which is Mm -hmm. why i think that it might make more sense that like maybe he's not a cold-blooded murderer like maybe there's some kind of element where he's like please stay away from me like do not fuck with me like get the fuck away right like he just wants to get to the places where he needs to go but also i imagine that enough time has passed where he's like kind of lost track of his humanity his connection to people's empathy and like is so focused on this one goal that he loses sight of all that um and i mean going back like the theme of this lich last time was love and it's definitely like a very heartbreaking tragic love story for him to be going around to these planets where like the the place where they had their first kiss the place where they met mm-hmm. the place where he proposed things like that and destroying yeah. them and in doing so maybe destroying mm-hmm. even the memory of them 
maybe he becomes more human the closer he gets to each phylactery. So mm -hmm. like the tragedy becomes enhanced whenever he gets closer to those individual psychic places. And it's like, oh, I've become more human now because I'm feeling those emotions. I'm re I, I'm recreating the tragedy in mm -hmm. my life over and over again or reliving those experiences. And thus it wakes him up from this kind of catatonia that he's otherwise in. Or yeah, like he's he might even be directly experiencing them as if it was the first time when he gets there. Um, oh, that's good too. But then yeah. like maybe because of that, he's lingering in that spot for so long that his existence destroys the place that he's remembering. Oh, so it's that's not even, actually, yeah. Not even a purposeful thing. It's just like he gets so embedded in the re-experiencing of like meeting his loved one for the first time and like yeah because he sort of just sits in that place for however long he unintentionally destroys it that's really good i like that a lot i think um one thing you can add to this that would add um it, it caused to her kind of divine ascension is if and, and a reason why they were traveling in the first place is if they were religious sorts of people who were on a mission Ooh. in the in the capital M sort of mission where they mm -hmm. went from place to sure. place spreading their religion. And so by returning to these places, he's also remembering his religious connection to them and her in this place. Yeah. yeah. You know? I like that. That's awesome, Daniel. And because then you have a character who believes in something. They they genuinely believe what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's that's an extra layer of tragedy and fun and like characterization. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I love that. Oh, oh, okay, hold on. Uh, I just realized what we can do as well is if he's kind of reliving these experiences, because I'm thinking about this in a horror frame, right? Let's say that he looks at someone and then imprints his wife or his loved one onto that character. And so he's trying to like reconnect with that person. So he might not be aggressive or like violent or anything like that because he's like, I love that person. But in reality, he's just reliving that kind of psychic resonance of mm -hmm. that person, not the person themselves. So from his perspective, he's pursuing someone who loves him, right? And in their perspective, they're being chased by a cosmic monster, <laughs> right? So, so you yeah. can kind of have it. So if you were like, like Daniel kind of mentioned earlier, if you're smart, you could do this really well and not schlocky where you could have it. So you're telling the story from two different perspectives and those perspectives, like you kind of don't get what's happening until like halfway or later in the movie where it's like, Oh, Oh, the monster was the person who was like cut off the entire time. Oh dear God. You know, one of those things. Yeah. I do feel like we kind of lost sight of the haunted house one, but I, I do think that it definitely works in that smaller scale. Like we have that station or ship mm. that's derelict and this other ship comes to check it out they find this yeah. person and he like starts to really just hone in on one member of the crew in like a really disturbing sure. way and that's when they go to like subdue him and stuff and that's when all the shit comes out of like oh my god my arm is like disappearing into yeah. space and stuff like that just like ragged meat you know yeah like that kind of also you say that we've lost place of the haunted house but in reality like what is he experiencing except like ghostly visions of his past? Like thematically it's a haunted house that he's reliving in oh, these spaces, you know? 
it's basically like a two-part haunted house where like he is his own haunted house and then we have this one specific story of like the people coming and seeing him and all these horrible things yeah 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 that that's exactly right like thematically symbolically Mm -hmm. it's a haunted house Mm -hmm. yeah okay we're stopping there we got two down god damn this has been so fun okay we've got one last monster jam uh that we've got to go with and this time we only have one lich left so if it's pure chaos we have to embrace it and man that's going to be a fun one because we've got our oil baron tycoon left who's also a lich and burning skeleton go again go listen to the first one. but anyway our subgenre this time is going to be Oh, it's Daniel's favorite. We've got a werewolf on our hands. Uh, The thing that we're focusing on this time is a tragedy. Fair enough. And the theme that we're dealing with is creation. Oh, boy. So we've got our oil tycoon lich. We've got a werewolf. We've got a tragedy with a theme of creation. What do y'all think? Um, I don't think it makes sense to introduce a werewolf. So I think what would make more sense is to make the lich have a sense of transformation to it that occurs at certain moments. Ooh, thematic werewolf. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, the person becomes some kind of oil monster. Or the oh. oil monsters can turn into other things. Yeah. Like there's some yeah. sense of transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm with you. What I'm thinking is that this is the story of a young person who is being groomed into being the next business owner, the next oil tycoon. In reality, the oil lich is actually just grooming them to be the next vessel for their lichdom, right? Because they have to keep up appearances as this tycoon, right? So they can infect them with oil lichdom. And the way that they do this is through body transference, right? So now you have a werewolf, but instead of, you know, an actual wolf, you're transforming into an old oil tycoon. And honestly, it sounds goofy, but that's horrifying to think of. Like when you look at your skin and you're transforming into an old man and then your blood is suddenly black and oil, like there's some horror. There's some real body horror to that that we can kind of fuck with here. I like the sense of um I, I get an image of dipping a person into oil um mm-hmm. as part of that. Oh, um good. and I also think perhaps like you know you when you're grooming your successor, like the I I don't want it to be a family relation, but I think um I agree. grooming a successor who is like a upstart, you know, wants to be a partner someday kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's prepping him to receive his empire, but by that he means literally receive him, you know. Yeah. Yes. Also, a christening in oil is a great concept that you can absolutely roll with. Like the the imagery of that is so awesome. Yeah, I'm picturing like a a young, very, very ambitious to the point of being brutal and unforgiving um, businessman kind of rising up rapidly through the ranks and, you know, catches the eye of this old decrepit oil baron who like takes a very, very close interest in him. And of course the young businessman sees it as like a great honor. It's like a sign that he's doing well and a Mm. sign that he's going to succeed and like become the head of this company. And he doesn't realize until it's way too late that this guy is literally going to take over and control him. 
Absolutely. Oh man, that's it's such a simple, beautiful, horrifying story. Like I'm just thinking about it, like either cinematically or narratively speaking, where you start with this young person who is like grows up desperately poor, like soul achingly poor. And then they, they somehow pull themselves up by their bootstraps, the ruthlessness through like hard work. And you kind, you kind of admire them for that until a certain point where it's like, Oh, you're a monstrous business person. Got it. Okay. And then that's when this person steps in. It's like, I heard that you took care of this account, or I heard that you took care of this acquisition for us. And then all of a sudden, that's when the story really starts, you know, or or the the horror aspect really starts, right? Yeah, I also don't want to lose sight of the the plot last time that we had of like uh, expanding out west and discovering, mm-hmm. yeah, what was it like? Basically, like uh, ancient indigenous people who had been lichified as oil liches mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going to be like unleashed upon the world, basically. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That, and I wonder, I wonder, you know, like, so there's an, a bunch of options, right? Like, you can position the lich as this invading force, obviously, right? And that, I think, is too easy, because obviously, always it is the case that the the invading force has money behind it. And I wonder if we can flip that and perhaps, like, um, this is all a story in that kind of indigenous world. Like, maybe mm-hmm. this business owner is a very prominent business figure in their society and the acquisition of this wealth will allow them to expand outward from the place of their origins into the rest of the world right so like he's getting a foothold into i don't know train systems that will take him further east you know and expand their their grasp and reach and so this upstart kid or whoever you know really wants to be part of that and do great for their community and succeed him in time and so there's a sense of like accomplishing this is a good thing. It's just that he also intends to open up the actual tombs of his ancestors yeah. and take the world over as well. Right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Okay. So in that case, right, it's not the lich preparing the the business person for themselves, but maybe the next generation or mm-hmm. the next lich in line. Like, oh, you waited your turn. Now I found the perfect vessel for you. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that that absolutely works as well. Like, um, yeah, there, I, I'm thinking about like 17 different things at once. But no, that's really mm-hmm. cool. I love that a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, can we just toss in a little romance here? Can we maybe have it so this business person is also like ruthlessly, like romantically involved with a very important person in the Midwest or to the East? So that expansion that Daniel's kind of talking about, the reason that they're targeting this business person is also because of their proximity to another very influential person or very influential, rich and wealthy, powerful family. Oh, like they're kind of in the process of like wooing uh, an heir to some empire out East. And yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what they're doing at that point is effectively just like laying the foundation to take over all of the upper crust Right. And yeah. I think that's a pretty. And to integrate, you know, yeah. exactly the, the familial lines. Right. You also have the opportunity there with uh, having to be able to talk about two generations. So like the one that the kids yeah. from yeah. probably has a different view about the the old money or whatever and, and mm-hmm. ambition and, and succeeding and and probably has a better relationship to the East than 
the lich does because the lich probably views them as enemies to be conquered you know for what mm-hmm. they've done for them. and so yeah. you have that tension too um but the temptation of of ascending to power for this kid is really the true danger you know mm-hmm. yeah so honestly it's kind of giving me like wall street vibes in some way you know like yeah. the movie wall street you know what i mean like i haven't seen way, that one actually yeah, it, it's the the famous line "greed is good." If that's yeah. where that comes from, yeah. yeah. I feel like I feel like there's something to that where you can draw parallels. Where it's like it's Wall Street, but in the Wild West, and also there's liches like that, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's told. I mean, you can tell it from an indigenous perspective, right? So like, yes, yeah. You you can get you know someone who's well versed on that and like really tie the connections together. So then you can get mm-hmm. you know the outside viewer can get an insight into the those values, but then it also connects to everything Ooh. that we're used to in terms of greed and business and ascension. Mm-hmm. And you can also toss in some good old fashioned racism if you wanted to talk about how this person has you, you know about the indian schools right that yeah established. yeah so uh they were effectively there to christianize their names to erase and purge any kind of uh native or indigenous like culture and religion as well from those people so i can imagine that this if, if we're talking about for like an indigenous frame we can have it so this person the the kind of young person Maybe that's where they kind of grew up in school as well. So you can add in some some stickier or, or uh, more complex themes and whatnot that we can talk about there as well. Yeah, and then also picturing that like older ancient group of indigenous people who had been who are now like in the oil, kind of waiting to be released. Mm. Like I could see them being militantly opposed to you know what's what's going on currently as far as the colonization mm. and the Christianification and everything. Um, yeah. So when they get unleashed, it's like, oh, fuck. Like, everything's just fucked now. What I think you can also do as well is you have an opportunity to show the true horror of those schools during that time, right? Like, the pure physical, emotional, and sometimes even sexual abuse that was rampant within those schools. Like, that in and of itself is a horror show, Right. Mm-hmm. And with that origin point, you can kind of be sympathetic towards that character. Like, oh, he's ruthless because he grew up this way. Right. Like, and it is obviously never an excuse, but you get an idea of why he's this way. Right. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, to um, not make it be this, you know, story A versus story B. Like, so if, if mm-hmm. the younger generation bleeds into the East and the West, um, like you're saying, you can empathize with what's happened to this villain, this lich. Um, mm-hmm. but there's a common experience of business and what it means yes. to be ruthless, yes. right? And that even though this might be an like an indigenous story in the sense that the actors are all indigenous or whatever, and we're gonna, you know, like have a lot of cultural references to things, at the end of the day, it's about an upstart kid who wants to yeah. rule this empire, you know, and yeah, everyone absolutely. relates to that. Yeah, I, I just think that we're adding like more complex layers when we but mm-hmm. you're right. Like, let's keep that in the framework as, like, the primary source. But we're just adding layers to that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Make it a little bit richer in the meantime. Yes, that's fucking cool. We've got a twist left. And then we're done with our annual spooky jam. So our twist this time, we've got... Okay, this one's interesting. We're we're getting some really weird ones this time. Uh, Ten, everyone is already dead. Uh, huh. huh interesting huh. 
yeah. How do we square that one, y'all? <laughs> like, what are we? How do we have that make sense? I guess depends on how you take everyone, because like it could already apply to like all of those oil liches being dead and being under the earth waiting to be released, or we could take it in a very literal way of like this is all occurring in like some spiritual world after maybe like a genocide of indigenous peoples or something and it's like alternate universe that's taking place where they're all dead and trying to reign Mm. over this world of the dead reign over the ashes basically yeah Mm. i think one way to i mean this is a blend of those two one way to think about it is that the lineage is already dead um so Mm. you know on the one hand you do you have uh, this lich wants to awaken a dead lineage and have it supplant the world in the end right Mm. because he believes that's superior to what's happening today Mm -hmm. that legacy is dead and it's literally dead but it's also dead in the sense that that culture is gone and past and the only way to persist now is to integrate and to change your culture because you can't go back to the past so this is a metaphorical take Mm. on it but the the reach of the lich out to the west is a dead reach because that won't Mm. work you know Mm. for in the long term I do really like that a lot. And I can agree coming up like when these older ones are released from their oil fields or whatever, that like they sort of are the ones to recognize it. It's like we can't return to what we were. There's no there's no going back. Like our culture is forever changed. And Mm -hmm. no matter what we do, we can't reverse what's happened. There is a kind of beautiful tragedy to that as well, like this sense of loss where you 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 feel that more than like oh rich fuck the rich business person right you mm-hmm. know yeah, yeah that's that's really good goddamn i like and that tragedy was one of our tenants <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, that's, yeah there and, we go. Um, that's also like i think it could really tie back to the love interest that we discussed of like the young upstart has this love out in the east or something who's an mm. heir um and just that like merging of two cultures mm. through this you know, horrible stuff that's happened in the past, but like you can't, you know, rip them apart and, and try to go back to the way it was. It just won't happen. And maybe that love interest represents like the, the progressive way forward. Like, Mm -hmm. and I mean that like in a sense, that's like, no, they're offering you true hope and true salvation. Right. And maybe that's where another conflict kind of arises where this person doesn't want me to be a ruthless business person anymore. And maybe I should be that way, but then there's still the ambi- the call of ambition, like the desire mm-hmm. to be powerful, right? And then that's also where that split happens. And then maybe something happens towards the end with that love interest, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I think there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff that you can do there. So, mm-hmm. oh man. Mm-hmm. All right. That's three liches down. This was crazy fun. I'm so I'm so glad that we did this. This was our first year doing like the double feature. What do y'all think? I think it was a rousing success. Did you what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it turned out well and it was interesting to like kind of make those previous stories fit into these new categories and see how it gets reworked and how we can like blend genres that might not normally uh, work together mm. it's a good example of theory and practice right like if yeah. you're thinking about it in terms of rpgs 
you know, or world building, you have your world building, you have your concept for a game, if it's a game, but that's not, it's never enough. You have to do something with it, right? So here, mm-hmm. well, granted, what we're doing is still kind of theory crafting, but we're mm-hmm. putting it into the context of something that could function. And so now you've got practice, right? So I think we really have to do that as world builders, take our world building and then use it for something. And this is an example of doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that y'all said it way better than I could. You know, just just the one of the most satisfying things that I experience as a world builder here is the expansion, you know, and like those kind of aha moments where it's like, of course, it's always been this way. And I think having the second episode where we get to develop those characters even further made it so I was more invested and I was more interested in the stories that we got to tell as a result. Mm hmm. Yeah, and like especially like the the second one that ended up being this like just heart wrenching, mm. tragic love story. We we didn't have yeah. as much of that in the first episode, and that's just like yeah. uh, my heart. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the last like most of the stories we told were tragic. Like the rage yeah. monster yeah. one, like uh, okay, fuck the rich, like whatever. But like the last two for sure were a lot more tragic and made me feel for those characters a lot more. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, y'all, this was a hell of a whole lot of fun. So I hope y'all enjoy it. Please tell us, please let us know. Come to our Discord or or write in the YouTube comments. Did y'all like this? What was your favorite story? Which monster did you like the most? And how would you change them? If you could either let us know on the Discord or type it into the YouTube comments. We'll read those. I swear, I promise that we will do that. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe if we get some good enough suggestions, we'll read about on air or something like that. Uh, But with that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive right into the end of this episode because it's been another episode of World Build With Us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube. So go ahead and follow us subscribe, like, etc. over there. We're also still on Twitter for the time being at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come and talk to us more directly, you can do so on Discord. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon where you get access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies. Or you just want to say, hey, thanks for all you do. Here's a little tip. We accept money as well. That's totally fine. With all that out the way, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together until next week. 